Jesus, we thank you that you bring us to be part of a fellowship, that we can be in a place like this to worship you and pray that during these moments, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and our minds, that you would become a little more clear and that you would help us to follow you just a little bit closer. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. When my wife, uh, Kristen, and I lived in Mill Creek, we decided to remodel the home that we were living in. So we started by splitting up the work, which meant that I painted, did some tiling work, a few other things. Uh, Kristen selected the projects we did, picked out the color schemes, and gave me feedback on how I was doing. Our bedroom was uh, one of the last rooms to get finished. It was painted, but frankly, we just run out of energy to finish this thing off. All that was left was one wall that we needed to wallpaper. Now, Kristen had purchased uh, this roll that had a kind of a flowery pattern with ivy vines and leaves and things that were going all over the place, but all we'd done with it was roll it up and put it underneath the bed where it was collecting uh, mothball or, you know, uh, dust balls. So one Saturday, I decided to surprise Kristen and finally get this thing done. She was training for a marathon at the time, and on this particular day, she was going to go on a long run. So as soon as she left, I got out all the wallpaper material and started wallpapering as fast as I could. Well, I almost made it. I almost got it done before she got back. I just had one more sheet to do, one more strip on the wall. I was measuring and getting ready to cut as I heard her come in the door. Uh, She walked in the door, came up the stairs, into the bedroom, and I searched her big, brown, beautiful eyes for love and admiration. (laughs) You know, she, she looked at me, and you can imagine how I felt when she said to me, Oh, Rich, the vines are going in the wrong direction. You hung it all upside down. <laughs> Rejoice in the Lord always. <laughs> not now, not today, maybe never. Well, sometimes it doesn't take much to steal our joy, does it? Perhaps it's a regret maybe that you are feeling over something in your life this morning or discontent about the way things are going in your life. Maybe it's a resentment that is eating away at you or the fact that you just don't like what you see in the mirror these days. Maybe even uh, it's that your life has become sort of a cold, bland cup of coffee or that you are grabbing hold of whatever you can to find a moment of happiness in order to hide from anxiety or disappointment or shame in your life. Either way, the question remains the same for us. How do we find joy? Now, over uh, today we're finishing up a mini-series on finding and maintaining uh, a sense of significance in our lives. And last week we saw that the way to do that, uh, that, that, to get on that pathway, really isn't about us at all. It's about God and understanding how God has designed us. That at the simplest, most basic level, God has created us for an everlasting relationship with Himself. And then invites us to live within the uh, within that design that God has given us so last week we looked at using the talents God has given and this week we are talking about finding and experiencing joy that lasts three things are three ways to do that from our text the first is to look back joy has a history the second is to pray 
that joy is a consequence of surrendering to Jesus all the things that we worry about. And third, to serve. That joy is dependent on what we give in life, not on what we get. Now Paul, the author of this letter, writes from prison in Rome where he's facing the death penalty for his faith in Jesus. Now it's hard to imagine that anyone could be beaten or possibly put to, faith, uh, put to death for their faith in Jesus, but uh, that is actually happening in many places around the world, in places like Saudi Arabia, China, China and Laos. So things are looking kind of grim for Paul at this point in his life. So the words that we read in these verses are are really kind of a surprise, if you think about it. I mean, we might expect something like, Hello, I'm in prison. Is anyone praying for me? Or uh, something a little less abrasive, like, um, I'm in dire need of appeal letters at this time on my behalf, and so please send them as many as you can. But he writes these words instead. He says, Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. It's almost like we didn't hear him the first time. I like what um, uh, Eugene Peterson says in the message. He has it this way. Celebrate God all day, every day. I mean revel in him. Now even the bleakest situations, no matter what we are going through, we can find joyful hope, expect the best, because we have God. For Paul, he could rejoice in prison because God has shown his faithfulness to Paul over and over and over again. Like the time Paul was shipwrecked, or the time Paul was put in prison, or the time he was beaten, or the time he was stoned with rocks. Stoned with rocks. (laughs) That's good, you get that. I'm kind of wondering how that's going to go through the day. But... uh, Paul could could celebrate because of those things. And the point is this, that we can find joy in our present circumstance, no matter what we are going through, by looking back, by reviewing God's faithfulness in our life, because joy has a history. Now, while I was in my second year at Fuller Seminary, I was scheduled for my evaluation and review as a candidate for ministry in the Presbyterian Church. Now, some of the worst rumors circulating campus, around campus at the time were about this review. I'd heard the horror stories about candidates who were sent away to Princeton Seminary, you know, and... Uh, <laughs> And I'd heard about candidates who were forced to take that first year over again because, well, they didn't follow the proper procedures or maybe they didn't look Presbyterian enough, you know. Well, the day that I was scheduled for my review, I was preparing for a sermon that I was preaching at the church where I was an intern. So I'd settled into the library at the church. I'd spread my books out on the table, kind of sat down in this comfortable chair. It was warm. I was tired. You got it. I, the next thing I knew, I, I was waking up, and I looked at the clock. I was a half hour late for the review. Worse, I had a half hour to dra- travel in order to get there to the review. Now, I'd like to say I did something holy, like pray, sing a hymn, and get in my car, and obey the speed limit on the way to the review, but I, I didn't do that. Well, I got there in 25 minutes flat, but it took me a few minutes to park the car, and by the time I'd found out where I was supposed to be, 
I was a full hour late. Now, the review was up on the second floor of this office building, so I tried to look cool, calm, and collect as I walked up the stairs. There were a number of candidates still uh, standing outside. So uh, at this point, I didn't know what to do. You know, do, do I open the door and walk in? Do I stand outside and try and figure out how to get out of this mess? Do I run away and never come back? You know, what do I do? Well, I never got the chance to decide. Uh, suddenly, uh, this, uh, the door opened, and the fellow that I was interviewing with stepped out. He looked at me, and he said, Rich, I am so sorry. We're running an hour late. We'll be right with you. <laughs> and you know what I said? No problem. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> well, there were many times and many ways that the Lord acted in faithfulness in my life and in my wife's life at that time. Times when anonymous envelopes would show up in our mailbox with just enough money to help us with tuition or food for the week. Our landlady who gave us a huge discount on our rent because I was in seminary. Friends and family that invited us over for a dinner or for a meal just to to help us to to get by because they'd known uh, that we'd run out of money for the month these experiences have become for us the foundation for joyful hope and they help us expect the best because god has shown us that we can depend on him when we need him the most you see christian joy is not an escape from sorrow Uh, that we sometimes feel or the pain and disappointment that we sometimes experience instead christian joy is a defiant nevertheless things aren't going well in my life but nevertheless we can rejoice because god is faithful and what helps us get there is that is when we look back and review all the good things that god has done in our life because joy has a history Well, the second point from our text this morning is pray. Joy is a consequence of surrendering to Jesus the things that worry us. Paul writes, do not be anxious or do not worry about anything. Easy for him to say, don't you think? One of the greatest thieves that rob us of our joy is worry. There are a lot of things that we can worry about. We can worry about our kids' health or the grades that uh, they're getting in school. We can uh, be anxious about a, a relationship or the finances of the family. We, we can worry about a business proposal that we're working on to show our clients. Our culture has wired us to worry, to be anxious, some of us more than others. Now, recently I was talking with a man who was in his 40s, and he just recently finished a graduate degree program and accepted a job uh, in the da- downtown area. His office was one of, is in one of those tall uh, high-rise buildings overlooking the city. Now, this marked the realization of a lifelong goal for him, and it came as a result of a long personal struggle. His uh, parents who live in the area had not been to his office, so when he'd heard that some of his other family members were going to be coming into town to visit for a few days, he invited them all up uh, to see where he was and uh, to see his office. The plan was to stop by his office the last day that the family was in town, but they were running late and they got there uh, just 
only had a few minutes before they needed to turn around and head to the airport. So it was a quick visit. They got up to see the, you know, his secretaries, colleagues, and, and um, you know, visit, uh, sort of see some of the office space up there. The problem was this fellow realized that a lot of what he was hoping for was to impress his father. Now imagine that, in his 40s, still trying to impress his father, but he was. But his father didn't get that. Instead, what his father got was more anxious. More and more anxious because of all the time this was taking. So he started to walk around muttering about all the things he was nervous about that could possibly go wrong and keep them from getting to their plane on time. You know, he did things like uh, pace and look at his watch and other things that sort of sent uh, the message that, uh, you know, he was not in favor of this and uh, was very concerned about uh, all what was going on. Well, the sad thing is that he sent the wrong message to his son who was looking for the exact opposite. And he missed what God could have done in those moments, like celebrate his son's accomplishment or enjoy the time with his family. Worry sometimes just takes us right out of the game. Hudson Taylor, who was a missionary to China and founder of Overseas Missionary Fellowship, said this. He said, let us give up our work, our plans, ourselves, our lives, our loved ones, our influence, our all right into God's hands. And then when we have given all over to him, there will be nothing left for us to be troubled about. That is why Paul's remedy for worry is prayer. Because prayer leads us to God and gives us the opportunity to hand over to God all the things that we're concerned about, worried about, hurt by, resentful for. Hand those over and surrender them to God. Prayer gives us the courage to trust that God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or even imagine in those moments. You see, we can't make ourselves not worry. But what we can do is surrender to Jesus all the things that we're worried about. And when we do that, we we experience an immediate release, a tremendous freedom, and that gives us joy. Well, we find joy in life uh, when we look back over our lives and we review God's faithfulness because joy has a history. And uh, we find joy in life when we pray and surrender the things that worry us. Uh, We surrender those things to Jesus. Now, the last point we want to make this morning is that joy is dependent on what we give in life, not on what we get. Now, uh, the culture around us teaches us the opposite, doesn't it? It teaches us that the pathway to real significance in life is often about what we get. That means that it's about the power we feel through the titles that we hold or the pleasure we receive from the possessions that we uh, have or maybe the, the status that we've gained because of the relationships that we've earned along the way. But joy comes not from what we get but from what we give in life through service. Now, yesterday there were over 900 volunteers, as as, uh, you've heard and as you've seen uh, from our church, and we were serving with a few other area churches and four different schools and uh, over at the Jubilee Reach Center. And like Scott, I had the privilege of being able to bop around to these different sites, and it gave me this amazing perspective, kind of an overview of the total impact of uh, our work efforts. You know, all the things that were being done, the the difference that that you were making 
and the way that it all pointed to Jesus. Now, in those slides, you saw some of the things that were going on, the painting and the landscaping, the power washing, chairs and sidewalks and steps, uh, cutting out things that go in classrooms, uh, helping teachers set up those, their classrooms. And because you did that, a number of those teachers are going to have to work over Labor Day for the first time in years. It's a great day. Well, there's a lot of activity going on over at Jubilee Reach, you know, cleaning and painting and things like that. One of the funniest things I saw, I've got to tell you, involved our, our junior high director, Ryan Baxter. And he, 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 feel free to talk to him about this because Ryan was painting and they handed Ryan this brush, one of these foam covered brushes, you know, that was only an inch and a half wide. And, and they had him painting under the stairwell, you know, a place where you can't see. Which makes you want to wonder, hmm. (laughs) Well, one of the best parts about yesterday is what it did to us. For those of you who were there, you were having a blast. And as you can see on the the, uh, PowerPoint there, uh, we were all just having a great time. Just a, a lot of fun. That's the joy of service. The joy of being able to give ourselves away in service to other people. But there was a little more that was happening there that day. Uh, uh, one of the people that was helping out at Stevenson was someone that, that didn't go to our church. In fact, she, just, she lives in the neighborhood, happened to be walking by Stevenson with her kids. Now, she'd seen what we'd done over at Stevenson the year before, and so she wanted to help us out again this year. So she took her kids home, dropped the youngest ones off, came back with her oldest son, who happens to go to the school, and they started to work with a landscaping team. Now, a few of our folks were talking with her, kind of got to know her a little bit, and she was talking about how cool the church was and about how, um, you know, sometimes she'd like to attend, but, you know, how do you join a church? And uh, just some questions like that. But then she said this. She said, what you all are doing, talking about now what was happening at Stevenson, what you all are doing is what church should be. I think that's a great point which was Jesus' point, that we would reach out and serve, not with the words of our mouth, but with actions. And that when we do, we find a deeper joy, not just us, by the way, but a joy that God intends for everyone. We serve a Lord whose birth announcement was good news of great joy and who, before his death, gave his joy to his disciples. His first miracle was turning water into wine. And he talked a lot about this kingdom that he was from and and bringing. Talked a lot about it as a party, as as a place of celebration. Because God has created you and me to live with joy, not just to endure life, to rejoice and enjoy the gift of the one life that God has given us, to celebrate it to live it to its fullest, and not to to, uh, let it go until we've done so. So what is standing between you and God's joy this morning? Maybe it's the opportunity to serve, and so we'd encourage you to step out into the patio, see some of the things that are going on that you can help out over at Jubilee Reach or teach Sunday school, or maybe help out Thursday afternoon at the the farmer's market. Maybe it's to go on a trip with Journey with a Village. Or maybe worry has stolen your joy, and what you need most is just to spend some time with God, to hand it over to Him. Or maybe it's just to reflect and to look back over all the faithful things that God has done in your life. 
that when you do, it gives you joy and hope for the time you're living in. Well, Lord Jesus, we want so much to receive this word. We thank you that you give us cause for joy, that the Christian life is itself a reason to be joy-filled. So, Jesus, we thank you, and we pray that you would fill us more and more with your joy, and we will give you the thanks. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you.